Welcome to Highway Christian Community Sermon Downloads. For more sermons, please visit our website. We know you will be blessed as you listen. Take care and God bless. Well, good morning, everyone. And you know, it's always a blessing to be sharing in the house. I'm sure everyone who stands up here feels that it's a blessing and a great privilege. And we just want to you know, I just want to appreciate the leadership of this church, that there's very few places that have stood through this time and been determined to get the gospel out in the way that we have. And every single one of you who have come so bravely and so boldly and have adhered to all the different requirements and things, I just want to say, you know, praise God for you. Because um, you're showing that, how you, you know, just like Steve said in the first service, that we're not going to be un- just crazy rebels for no reason, but what we're going to do is still honor the Lord and honor His Word, that we should gather and that we should fellowship and that we should lay hands on the sick and that we should be a community. Amen. So thank you so much. It's really a great privilege. This morning, I'm really excited, actually, to share with you about manifesting sonship. You know, many of us talk about identity, we talk about sonship, we talk about different things, but it's very important for us to understand just how sonship functions, how it works, so that we would be able to manifest it in the world we live in. How many of you believe that Jesus was an excellent example of what a son of God looks like? And Jesus, being that example, um, left us an example of what sons of God should be like. Now, that doesn't mean I'm saying to you, you need to go and take up residence in Jerusalem and start walking the Via Dolorosa with a cross on your back. But what I am saying is that the way in which he walked, the Bible calls us to walk in the same way. And the first thing about Jesus that was absolutely just mind-blowing don't try to remember, is really what this proverb speaks about. It says, many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it is the purpose, it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. Many are the plans in the mind of a man. Or woman. Women probably have more plans. But the reality is we can make all the plans we want if our plans do not align with His purpose, then we are being counterproductive. A counterproductive body is one that is actually in disability. A productive body is one who is able and responds well to the requests from the head. And I believe Jesus is the head of this church. And I believe that Jesus is the one who gets to direct us by His Holy Spirit. And as such, I believe that we need to come in agreement with the purposes of the Lord because God stands by His purpose And he stands by his original intention. He will not stand by your lofty ideas. 
He's not here to back up your crazy theories, whatever they might be, if you have any. And I'm not saying you do, I'm just saying if you did. He's here to stand by His Word. The Bible tells us that God confirms His Word, which means He doesn't confirm a person, He confirms His Word. And that's the reason why you are qualified by the Word, you're not qualified by your performance to be what He has destined you to be from the beginning. Yeah, amen to that. It is a very good statement. Amen. So what should we do? Well, it's common sense. We should align our plans to God's original intention. How many of you know if you make plans that are in keeping with God's plans, then God will back up your plans? <laughs> How many of you want God to back up your plans? At least this whole middle section is on fire. Everyone else, are you with me? You want God to back up your plans, then find out what God's intention is so that you can come in alignment with Him so that His Word will back up the plans that you have made. I mean, it's just, this is a formula for success every day. How can you fail if you agree with God's plan? Only when God fails will you fail. And that's impossible. Amen or oh me. So God's original intention is to make the earth a colony of heaven that is ruled by a people who are ruled by God. You know, the funny thing about colonies is that whenever they colonized an area back in the days of the Romans, they would literally try and terraform that area into Rome. They would, they would make it like as much of Rome as they could make it. They want the culture of Rome to permeate into that area. They want the technology of Rome. They bring a whole bunch of things with them whenever they colonize. Today, if you go to some African parts, there's very much a, a leftover, um, how can I put it, even after they've been liberated, a structure, a feel, even a language that came from those who colonized them. And the reality is, heaven wants to colonize the earth for its benefit. So God wants to make the earth an extension of heaven through the temporal power of His sons. Now Mark, are you saying we have temporary power? No. The word temporal means something completely different. Temporal power is the power normally associated to a bishop or a cleric or even the pope, especially in secular matters. In other words, a spiritual person, someone who's representing spiritual things, having an influence and a power over secular matters. God's intention is for His sons to have spiritual oversight over the industries and institutions that make up our society. The kingdom of God cannot invade this earth through you until you realize that what is spiritual must have an impact on the physical. Without spiritual oversight, and have you noticed, I think there's been a little bit of a lack of that, maybe just because of where we've been. 
Without spiritual oversight, our cities, our countries, our nations are lost and without hope. You are way more important than you've given yourself credit for. Can you say that? I am more important than I gave myself credit for. You see, God is going to have what God is going to have. Nothing's going to get in His way. If it's not going to be this generation, it'll be a next one, but I think I'm going to put my hand up. Because God is waiting for a generation that will change everything. You see, the difference about God and us in human terms and in godly terms is that God moves in a circle. He is the Alpha and the Omega. The only way you can understand that is if you understand Him in the, in the construct of a circle. He has no beginning and He has no end. But we, we have a beginning and an end. We move in a straight line. And that means that we think very much with some things that begin and some things that end, but God has got an eternal perspective and He's wanting to bring an eternal perspective into our minds so that we can see things from an eternal perspective and bring eternal things into this temporal world. There are things that unfortunately disappeared in Genesis because of Adam's sin that reappear in the book of Revelations because of Christ's victory. And some of these things are, for example, the river of life. It disappeared. The tree of life, it disappeared. Paradise disappeared. And consequently, sin appears. Sickness appears. We don't see sickness before that. Death appears. We don't see death before that. Poverty appears. Suffering appears. And we can see that all of these things that have disappeared and appeared are a consequence, not of God's perfect creative intention, but of man's destructive disobedience in God's perfect world. So, before, I mean, many people ask the question, if God is so loving and so kind, then why does He just not deal with all the bad people? The problem is, you're part of the bad people. When does He decide who's bad and who's not? He knows the thoughts and the intents of your heart. And the Bible says he's counted everyone not worthy. And everyone needs salvation. For we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So we can see that through Adam's disobedience, we lost a lot. But the truth is that because of Christ in Revelations, they all reappear. The tree of life comes back. The river of life comes back. Paradise comes back. Sin disappears. Sickness disappears, death disappears. All of these disappear in the final consummation of all things. Now, that is both a final um, manifestation of everything coming to its completeness and a progression of how things are being removed during this time up until then. Does that make sense? So we are not limited to what will appear in Revelations. We are taking what has been already purchased and putting it into practice now so that we can usher in the preaching of the gospel to the ends of the earth and then the end will come. Does that make sense? 
just to put you in the picture of what I'm talking about. So if we align our plans with God's purpose, we will have the backing of heaven. Right. Psalm 1, 8, verse 3. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him? I mean, how many of you have ever wondered, why does God care so much about us when there's so many other things that are so much bigger and more beautiful from our perspective? And this is really what the psalmist is writing. And he says, what is man that you think about him? Why would you think about him? And the son of man that you care for him. Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings. Now, the original word there for heavenly beings is actually the word Elohim, which means God himself. So it's not talking necessarily there about being lower than angels. It's talking about the fact that God has made us a little lower than himself. Now consider that. We're going to go through a little list at the end so you can understand where we fit. Because sometimes I think our biggest problem is we don't have our roles defined. What are you, what is your part that you play in the grand scheme of God's plan? If we know that, it's easier to fit in than if we have no clue. So, you made him a little lower than yourself, and you crowned him with glory and honor. So there's no need to go trying to take God's glory. He's already given you some. Come on, man. This is the house. You can't smile. We have joy in the house. The kingdom of God is in righteousness, peace, and what is it? Joy. Yes. That's right. Psalm 8, 6 says, you have given him, who's him? That's right, man. You've given man dominion. Now everyone's very scared of this word. The minute you use dominion, everyone gets very scared. It's like, um, I, don't, I don't understand that. Dominion is one of the biggest privileges you could ever have. You've given him dominion over the works of your hands. That means God made it, but he gave it to you to rule over it. Okay, let me say that again. God made it, and he gave it to you to rule over it. The word dominion literally means to be one who rules. To have dominion means to execute rulership. Now, obviously, we have bad rulers and we have good rulers, God wants you to be a good ruler, and he's an excellent example of a good ruler. That's why he gives you an example of how to rule well. But we have been created in Genesis to have dominion. You know Genesis 1, 26, 27, and 28 literally says, let us go and make man in our image and likeness so that they may have dominion on the earth. So the, really, the reason why we were created so close to God in His image and likeness was so that we would have the ability to have dominion on the earth. Now please understand, when I say dominion, just to qualify this for some, I'm not saying that you have the right to rule other people. The Bible doesn't give us dominion over other people. It gives us dominion over everything except one another. 
That's where so many people who have had a natural desire for dominion have gone wrong. They've turned it into dictatorships and authoritarianism where it was actually meant to be inspired by God to bring things to life. It instead oppressed people. Does it make sense? Okay. And then it says, you have put, and the you there is God, God has put all things under man's feet. How many things? Do you, do you believe all means all? Okay, good. Because otherwise we're going to have to do an extensive word study. Okay, so the earth is an extension of heaven to be ruled by those who were ruled by God. But guess what? If you're not ruled by God, then how can God rule the earth through you when you're not submitted to Him? All the sheep and oxen and also the beasts of the fields, the birds of the heavens, the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the path of the seas. So we have learned that we have been literally put in this place where we are just a little lower than God. God has included us this way. This is His plan. This is not our plan. We didn't come up with this. I didn't roll up of my bed one day and figure it would be a nice thing to say. It was in my Bible. But then when God put Adam in the garden, there were some things that God told Adam to do that comes back to how we as sons are meant to see the world and meant to act. And one of those things is he said he put Adam in the garden to tend it and to keep it. To work it and to keep it. That word there basically means in order for you to work something, you have to discover it. You can't work something you don't know. You can't do anything with anything you're not familiar with. So you have to discover it. Then nature by itself grows quite chaotically. How many of you have got a backyard? Many of you don't want to put up your hands. I don't blame you. It can get overgrown quite quickly in Durban. Isn't that right? And it's quite chaotic. But what God told Adam to do in keeping it was to design it and to defend it and to dominate it. You were created to have dominion. So discovering Adam had to discover the garden. Adam had to dress the garden. He had to design it, make it his, his own. How many of you have done any gardening? How many of you like doing gardening? even more people's hands go up. It's like the people that do gardening and the people who like the idea of doing gardening. So when you do gardening, you get to design things. You get to lay things out the way that you want them laid out. You get to own it and make it the way you want it. How many of you enjoy that? Does it feel like, you're, like it's fulfilling? There's, a, there's even something therapeutic about it. Am I correct? And that is because there is in you that, that uh, desire to actually exercise dominion in this way. Dominion also gives you the, the responsibility to defend it. How many of you like trespasses on your land? Trespasses in your house? Or trespasses in your car? <laughs> no one. Am I right? Because you want to defend it. So Adam was given the responsibility to keep it, to discover it, 
to design it, to defend it, and to dominate it. There is no such thing as dominion without a domain. If, you, if the earth wasn't made before God made you, there would be no point in giving you dominion. So you must work it. Say, I must work it. I must keep it. Remember, you're not working for it. You got it. You're just working it. Oh, come now. It's like work is a swear word in the church today. It's not. It's what you're working for. If you're working for your own righteousness, you're, in, you're, you're deceived. Jesus gave us his righteousness. But now that we have his righteousness, we work with all the power of his might. Does it make sense? So you must work it. You must keep it. That means you must design it. You must defend it. So you have to ask God, what is your domain? What is the area over which you believe God has given you influence so that you may be the leaven of heaven to bring the kingdom into that place? For the creation waits with eager longing. Eager. You know, eager longing. It's like... Um, when, uh, how many of you like ice cream? Okay, so if, if someone promised you ice cream, that you know, like gelato ice cream. Gel- Do you know the gelato ice cream, the nice ice cream? The Italian ice cream? How many of you have had the Italian ice cream? Okay, so if, if you knew that it was waiting for you, how long would you be longing for it? For as long as it takes to get there. Not so long if it's in your fridge, but a lot longer if it's um, a, week, a week away. Am I right? So creation is waiting in eager anticipation for what? For the revealing of the sons of God. So the earth is expecting the revealing. Creation is longing for the revealing of the sons of God. Sonship has everything to do with the family business. And you all, every one of you here, if you're born again, you have been invited to be part of it. You are not excluded. You are not a black scarpie. God redeemed all the black scarpies. Amen? Because the greatest need in the world today is the manifestation of the sons of God. What will happen when we finally manifest our sonship when we walk in full, in the fullness of sonship. What would that mean? It would mean that you would fully represent Jesus again on the earth. Now, the last time I read my Bible, three years with Jesus rocked this planet. Imagine what hundreds, even thousands of years of Jesus's manifesting on the earth could do to this place. You see, our biggest struggle is that we decide Jesus is up there and I'm down here. Now, you know, when Jesus came and lived into my heart, he stopped being God because suddenly he can only do what I can do. 
But Jesus is God. He'll confess it. He's God. But he can't do what God can do when he lives here. Come on, my friends. My brothers, my sisters. It's time we change our thinking. It's time we metanoia. And we realize that if Christ is in me, then it's no longer I who live. But it is Christ who is living his life in me and through me. That means all the power that was in Christ is in me. And wherever I go, he goes. There is nowhere David could go where the glory of the Lord would not be, even in Sheol. That's, by the way, that's hell. David said, you prepared a table for me in the midst of my enemies. David knew the presence of the Lord everywhere. The highest mountain, the lowest valley. It means the presence of the Lord is not subject to where you are. It's subject to whose you are. Oh, I don't even know where I am in my notes right now. Jesus is good. All right. So we need to manifest heaven's culture. We need to. Why? Because it's who you really are. We need to display heaven's character. Because that's who God really is. We need to realign ourselves with God's original intent. We need to realign with God's original purpose. And we need to make the earth an extension of heaven. You are all ambassadors in the house. And we've heard that scripture so many times. Of all the prophets, John the Baptist was the greatest. The least in the kingdom of God is greater than John the Baptist. So even if you think you're the least, you're still greater than one of the greatest prophets that ever lived before Jesus showed up. <laughs> you know, can I tell you guys a small story? When I was a lot younger, um, I was praying a lot about, you know, the, I mean, you read the stuff Moses did and Elijah and, you know, all the different uh, prophets, and you're like, wow, right? I mean, you read some of their stories. A guy would come in and they would want to kill the prophet. The prophet will say, the prophet you're looking for is not here. Come, I'll show you where he is. And he'll take him to another uh, camp where the enemies of that guy is waiting for him. And you say, Lord, open their eyes. Boom, and their eyes are open. I mean, these guys operated on a level that we as sons of God need to really learn. We need to learn from them. Because we're not even anywhere near there yet. In our practice, not in our position. Don't get those two messed up. So watch what happens. I used to read these stories and think to myself, it would be so amazing if I could just be like one of the prophets, you know, Elijah or Moses or somebody. And one day as I was praying about this, I heard this very silent voice in my heart say to me, Mark, why do you want to be like the prophets? And I said, well, because of all the miraculous things that they did. They were able to really demonstrate the kingdom of God. And I heard this voice say that this is God speaking to me, saying, I didn't call you to be one of those prophets. I called you to be my son. 
He called you to be his son. So who are the sons of God? Well, you're sitting right here. Because in John 1, 11, it says, Jesus came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave them the right to become the children of God. Now that word there for children actually means son of God. Because children there is put so that male and female people don't get uh, offended. Okay? So children is easy. But there's a difference between a children and a son. Isn't there? How many of you would give your uh, 18-year-old son the, the car keys, but you wouldn't give your 5-year-old son the car keys? Why? Because he's a child. And he's a young adult. Am I right? So you'll see what I'm going to talk about quickly. Receiving Jesus gives you that ability. The Bible says in Isaiah 9, 6, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. A child only fully steps into his position as a son when he is old enough to manage his father's estate. Now that means that as you're sitting here, I'm not talking about physical age. What I'm talking about is spiritual maturity. And spiritual maturity doesn't take as long as growing up physically. It's a matter of the degree to which you surrender to God's will and His purpose in your life. So the faster you come to realize what He has called you to, the quicker you can grow and begin to walk in what He has already provided for you. Does that make sense? And this is why in Galatians it says that an heir, as long as a child, is no different from a slave. Because a slave and a child, the only difference is that the child has everything but doesn't know it. Does it make sense? So, ah, Jesus, help. How many of you are familiar with the bar mitzvah, with the Jews? Well, a boy is considered a child until his bar mitzvah. And only when he's 13 and he's gone through his bar mitzvah is he then called a son. Because a son is able to handle the affairs of the house. He's able to participate in the family business. Before that, the parents have full responsibility for the son's actions. After that, the son bears responsibility for his own actions. So reaching a place of understanding and responsibility for the family business is what the mitzvah is all about. So responsibility cannot be given over to a child. As a child, you own everything, but you have access to none of it. You technically own everything, you legally own everything, but you practically don't possess them until you grow up. Are you guys okay? I know. I, I'm, very I'm very aware of the fact that my time is up. Can I have five more minutes? You guys enjoying this still? All right. So we have practiced 
in the church as a body, in different places, we have practiced escapism, we've practiced evacuation, we've practiced avoidance. And we have said that the world's problems are their own. But it looks like the world's problems are actually what we should own. Isn't that right? Because if we don't take the responsibility, then who will? I'm not saying you are responsible for what's happened in the world. I'm saying take the responsibility to do something about what's happening in the world. Amen? God is raising up a generation who are taking responsibility no matter what is wrong in the world. What does the word responsibility mean? It means that you have the ability to respond, and if the Holy Spirit lives in you, then I think you have no excuse. It is time to be the change. The truth is, creation is not waiting for a manifestation of Christian childishness. Immature Christians will not solve the problems of this world. I'm not saying this to condemn you. I'm I'm saying this to challenge you because I want you to realize that you have more in you than what you've realized. Amen? The world is longing for Christians to grow up and become everything that God wants them to be. But now we are the sons of God. See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called the children of God. And so we are. And the only difference between Jesus and you is nothing. Do you see all those things there? Can you, can you read them? So weather control, foreknowledge, transmutation of matter, manipulation of matter, multiplication of matter, regeneration of matter, authority over spirits, flight and teleportation were all things that Jesus mastered. That Jesus lives in you and me. And you have the exact same abilities. The Bible calls us equal co-heirs with Christ. It doesn't call us unequal co-heirs. It calls us equal co-heirs with Christ. As you can see, I'm sure like many people, that list is not used. So quickly, this is how I'm going to close. Before the garden, I mean, in the garden, we have a a, a chain of roles. We see the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We see mankind ruling over creation, angels, and other beings. Okay? It's just an example. After the fall, we see angels, demons, and then fallen man. Can you see that? Is there a pointer on this one? I don't know. I don't even know how it works. Never mind. Okay, so after Jesus, you'll see that we have the Father, the Son, with the new man and the Holy Spirit. Can you see it? Are you part of the new man? Then where are you? Up there, in Christ. Am I right? That means that you are part of what? You see, the Bible says we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. We can't say that. We can't say we're the bride. We can't say we're the sons if we're not willing to completely identify with him. 
that everything that is true for Jesus is true for you. Because you are in Him and He is in you. And there should be no separation. Let no man separate what God has put together. So today, we are over angels, demons, fallen man, and creation because we are in Christ and all things have been put under His feet. My brothers and sisters, if you walk away with anything today, walk away with this. That as a son of God, heaven is listening. Whenever you speak, hell will obey and heaven will back you up. Amen. Thank you so much for your time.